Welcome to the Business Done Differently podcast, where we believe whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. And that standing out is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. Today's guest is Raymond Aaron. He is a New York Times bestselling author. He's written 11 books, including Chicken Soup for the Parent Soul. And now he's writing his new book, The Power of Wow with Jack Canfield. Creating wow moments is one of the most important topics in business today, and today's guest has become an expert in the field. Raymond, excited to have you on the show. I'm honored to be on your show. I'm honored. I love creating wow moments, and Jack Canfield loves creating wow moments, and you are the master. That's all you do every darn day is create wow moments. If it isn't a wow moment, it isn't a good day for you. (laughs) Well, I appreciate it. I'm so glad that we connected. Almost a year ago, you reached out as you're working on this book, and you know, I love sharing this. And obviously, working with companies, it's a challenge to try to how to create these. But before we get into that, I want to know your wow story. You know, tell me about how you came up, obviously, writing books, speaking, working with companies all over the world. Share a little bit of how you created these wow moments for yourself. Well, all I do is think of how I can blow people away. All I do in my personal life, in my business life, with my family members. I'll give you one example in my personal life. I was uh, dating a girl that I really liked, and we live in Toronto, and I invited her on an all-expense-paid, one-month, first-class, business-class trip to Australia, the whole continent of Australia. So she accepted, and we were going to fly from Toronto to Los Angeles to Sydney. And sure enough, didn't I get a speaking gig in Los Angeles the day before we were supposed to have arrived there anyways? So I asked her, she agreed, I'll fly the day before to Los Angeles, give my speech, and then I'll wait for you at the airport, and we'll fly on together, meaning she has to fly Toronto to Los Angeles by herself. She said, fine. So I said to her, don't arrange your ground transportation from your home to the Toronto airport. I'll take care of it. So the allotted time comes, the knock on the door, she comes running to the door because she knows I'm going to do something crazy, like a stretch Lamborghini or a whole sport-drawn carriage or something crazy. She flings the door open, and there I am. I flew back from Los Angeles to Toronto to drive her to the airport. (laughs) Wow. Wow. When we split, we did split, I didn't marry her. When we split, she said that's the nicest thing any man has ever done for her. And she said it caused me to raise the bar of what kind of man I look for. You made it tough for every other guy after, huh? You, you got it. <laughs> I never, no one's getting there. Oh, that's funny. So how did your career start? You know, obviously you went into speaking, writing, but obviously you had to start creating these wow moments in your professional career to start growing and making the impact that you've made. Well, I graduated as a physicist from the University of Toronto. I'm rated as a genius in the field of mathematics, and I have a Mensa IQ. That's the top 2% of IQ in the entire world's population. But when I graduated, I didn't want to be a physics professor. I didn't know what to do. I wrote a calculus textbook, which allowed me to teach at the University of Toronto, but I didn't like it. I didn't know what to do. And I wandered around lost for another 20 years till I was 39 years old. I was $100,000 in debt. I was 50 pounds overweight. My boss had just fired me. My wife kicked me out of our marriage, and I learned something. I learned that getting divorced and fired on exactly the same day are just extreme forms of market research. What the marketplace was telling me is that 
I was doing everything wrong. Nutritionally overweight, matrimonially dumb, vocationally fired. I was depressed and I was $100,000 in debt. I was doing everything wrong. I wasn't creating wow experiences for anybody. Mm. And then I got a message, truly a message inside my head, Raymond, you're a teacher. And I, from that moment on, I earned extraordinarily well. I've helped millions of people around the world. As you said, I've written 11 books, one a New York Times top 10 bestseller. And I have as friends, half of the most famous people in the entire world. It's just completely changed my life. My life is a wow mm. because of how I intend to teach, how I actually do teach and change people's lives, help them write books, help them understand the spiritual universe, help them buy real estate. I really put everything into my teaching. And indeed, I have a rule. You know how people have a to-do list? And they have like 15 items in the to-do list. And even they know they're not going to get them done. In fact, most of the items on their to-do list were copied from yesterday's to-do list that they didn't get done. And I have a different thing. I have a most important, critically important, unbelievably strategically important thing to do one every day, nothing else. So I don't look at my useless 15 items, like pick up the laundry, pick up milk on the way home. Yes, I have to do those things. I have to do those things, but they're not the purpose of my day. And I don't take the most important of those 15 useless things. So today, for example, the only thing I have to do today, the only thing is totally blow you away and blow away all the people who are listening to your podcast and have them so excited that they want to go to the Savannah Bananas and they want to change their life so that they can create wild experiences. Now, I have to do other things. I'm doing some coaching today and I've got some chores to do, but this is the centerpiece of my day. This is the only thing, the only thing I have to do today. And that's how I construct my life. So if I'm doing a three-day course, the only thing I have to do on day one is to create the best day one of that particular course that I've ever, ever done. And that's how I conduct my life. Wow. So it's one step at a time. But my question is, how do you make that determination? Like, you know, this is a show and I'm honored. I'm flattered that you were making this the big part of your day. But how does someone make that decision? It's not the big part of my day. It is the only part of my day. The only thing I have to do today. And in my time zone, if I get this done by noon, I can take the rest of the day off. I can play with my cat, play with my wife, go for a jog, watch a movie. I do have other things to do. I do have coaching calls to do. And I will do a great job on them. And if my wife asks me to pick up milk, I'll pick up milk. But this is what I'm focusing on. This is the only part of my day. It's fascinating. I, I think just I'm looking at this, Raymond, as all of us, we have many things that we're doing. And then when you make the decision the night before, the day before, this is this one powerful thing, this one thing that I'm going to commit to to be, what helps you make that decision? Oh, it's easy because my life is a wild life. And so if I did this interview, like you interview other people yes. and you only interview people that have your same style, your same craziness, your own <laughs> goofiness. So they're good people anyways. But many of the people you interview just give ordinary interviews. And I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying they have a list of 10 things they have to do that day. You're one of them. And they do it. And they do the best job they can. Yes. But I don't want to do the best job I can. I want, you see, most people, if you went through their year day by day, they've done something incredibly critically important to themselves or to the world maybe three times in the whole year. 
Well, I've done 365 times. So right there, I've made 100 times the impact they have, and I can earn 100 times more than they do. That's the secret. Wow. I love it. All right. This is a whole new way of me me looking at things because we're constantly looking at all the things we do, not that one important thing. So all right. Now you got me fascinated, Raymond. You've started this. You set the expectations for this podcast very high, my friend, which yeah, I like. Yeah, which is yeah. good. Um, so the origin, obviously, you, you started, it, you became a teacher and you started teaching. And I think that's there's lesson in there in the sense that everyone should look at themselves as a teacher, no matter what you do. Or as someone who's making an impact on the world. My first 12 years of teaching from 1983 to 1995, I was teaching real estate, how to buy real estate. Yeah. And do you know, Jesse? that I have people coming up to me in, over the last, like I've been teaching for 36 years on stage. I have people coming up to me recently saying, hi, my name is Raymond. I said, oh, that's a coincidence. They said, no, it's not. My father took your course 30 years ago. He talked about you every day and he swore to his wife, they had a child and it was a boy child. They'd name him Raymond because of the impact that I'd made on their life. Wow. And then, and then 30 years later, he shows up and I didn't know it. I didn't even know. Wow. So I've been asked to be best man at the wedding. I've asked to be clergy at a wedding. Kids have been named after me because I pour everything. It's so fascinating. And when you teach, you get purpose too, Raymond. I think that's so great. When you teach, you get purpose because you hear about the impact that you're making, which is so, so powerful. So we could go on a whole other episode of that, but I do want to get into the origin of the book and the wow moments. People have been talking about this for a while. It used to be above and beyond. Now it's creating wow moments. Tell me where the origin came for you. So just before I answer your question, I want to tell you, my daughter, she's 18, she's on a volunteer mission to Bahamas to clean up after a recent tornado. And she meets a local guy and she really likes him. And she says, what's your name? And he says, wow, his name is wow. And the first thought in my daughter's mind was, well, I got dad's approval. <laughs> is she still with him? No, okay. but it lasted a while. It was like a, a vacation romance. That's hilarious. So his name was Wow. Okay, all right. So that's, I love that. All right, that's a whole new way of naming people. So all right, so now go to the origin of the book because that's just fascinating as well. Well, I learned from one of my coaches, Dr. Nito Cobain of High Point University, about Wow experiences. His entire university is a Wow experience. I hired him as my coach, and he told me the most important thing is to create Wow experiences because anything south of that is forgotten and ordinary. And so I started creating them. And one of the things that he said, which was so startling, he said, if you want bookkeeping done, you have to hire a bookkeeper. If you want marketing done, you have to hire a marketer. He says, guess what? If you want wow experiences to occur, you have to have a director of wow. And I was so fascinated by that, that I looked into it and I studied it. And I am on the board of directors, and I'm a founding member of Transformational Leadership Council. It's a nonprofit group, closed group, of about 100 of the greatest transformational leaders in the world, like Dr. John Gray from Mars Venus, Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup. Indeed, the movie The Secret was filmed at one of our club meetings because all the professional, all the transformational leaders in the world are a member of our group. And at one of those sessions, I gave a talk on the director of WOW and talked about if you want WOW experiences, you have to have somebody in charge and you have to have a director of unwow that has zero tolerance for any unwows. And I have a very funny name for unwows. I call it the sales prevention department. <laughs> Love it. 
So I gave the talk, and Jack Hanfield, whose brand is way, way bigger than mine, asked me if we could write a book together on WOW. And he does WOW experiences like in his events, like Breakthrough to Success, he'll have several hundred people in the room. When they finally open the doors at the beginning of the first day, he personally greets and hugs and chats with every person coming into the room. He doesn't care if it takes an hour, half an hour, doesn't care because they talk about that. At the end of the five days, when they list their feedback, they talk about hugging Jack at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so he does those things and he loves it. And we've interviewed some of the most amazing companies in the world who create wild experiences. And one of them is yours. <laughs> well, you're speaking our language. I think what you just shared with, with Jack Canfield is, again, whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. When you have someone that's built a celebrity like Jack has, to be able to be out there and greeting people, I mean, it's such a, a, an opposite impact than what people are used to. And I think when you talked about Nito and, and I'm interviewing him for the show coming up next month, so I'm excited to talk with him on these wild experiences. Please, please, please say hello, friend. Oh, I definitely will, 100%. So, okay, so we know it's important, but I think the question when we're working with companies, I mean, well, how do we do it? And so maybe share a few of the other stories that you've come through the book, because you had a Power of Wow conference where I know you brought in some businesses. Share maybe some of the stories that are just like, wow, let's, let's, how can we do that? Okay, I will share the stories, but I want to share first the rules for creating them. Okay. When you understand the concept, then the examples fit into a framework. Perfect. Okay, so there are six rules. The first is under the letter B, and that, oh my God, I forgot my own rules. Ah! The acronym is BUMPER. B-U-M-P-E-R. U is unexpected. Okay. Oh, big. B is big. I love it. If it's small, it'll be forgotten. Mm -hmm. And you is unexpected. You can't invite a girl out for dinner and a movie and expect her to get excited that she got dinner. Because mm -hmm. it was expected. So big, unexpected, and is memorable. Because if it's not memorable, it's obviously forgotten and you've ruined the whole purpose of it. P is positive. Because if... When you meet somebody, you slap them in the face. It's big, unexpected, and memorable, but it's not positive. And then E is extra. It must be extra. So if you sell ice cream and you guarantee people they get two scoops of their choice of flavor on a regular cone, and then you give them a sugar cone with sparkles, that's extra. And unfortunately... 99%, actually way more than that, of all merchants think that the transaction is over when the goods are provided. But that's, that just breaks you even. Nobody talks about that. No one goes home and say, guess what? A merchant said if I gave him $5, she'd give me a two-scoop ice cream, and he gave me a two-scoop ice cream. Well, for what? Mm. And then R is relevant. Mm. It has to be relevant. So I ride a giraffe unicycle. And uh, like a five-foot-tall giraffe unicycle, probably the only 75-year-old. You're still. actually serious. You actually drive, you actually ride a yeah. giraffe unicycle. Yeah. Did you get it like custom-made? Explain, this is hilarious. No, no, you can buy five-foot-tall unicycles. <laughs> and you ride it around town. Well, yeah. 
<laughs> I ride a regular unicycle and I can ride a five foot tall giraffe unicycle. In fact, offline, I will send you an image of me on a, on a giraffe unicycle. You know what I love about this? And I want to get back to it. But when you do things like that, it becomes camera worthy. And we talk about, are your people, are your employees camera worthy? Are they doing things that people want to take pictures of? Because that's shareable. If I saw someone riding down the street in that, I would take a picture. And that is a wow moment because it's so different, so unique, and so shareable. So I love that. That's You're living your brand, my friend. (laughs) So in your work, if all of your baseball players came out riding a unicycle, that would be relevant. But if I'm teaching a course on how to write a book, and I ride in on a unicycle, it's not relevant. So it would be relevant for you, but not for me. I mean, it'd be noticeable, but it's not relevant. And so if they go home and they say to a friend, uh, yes, I learned how to write a a book. I learned how to write a book, but he wrote a unicycle. They said, I don't get it. It didn't fit, yes. And again, unless your culture is completely unexpected. Our players have taken the field in segways. They've taken the field on bikes. If you create a culture like that, then it's like our culture is expect the unexpected. Yes. So we want people to expect the unexpected, which sometimes if it doesn't make sense, but if you're not like that, then it's, hey, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. So I get that. It makes sense. All right. So let's let's go into some of these ones that you love talking about. We got big, unexpected, memorable, positive, extra, and relevant. And for you, there's nothing that's not relevant. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You just want to be crazy. hundred percent. So which one of those, now let's put those in, into play with some companies that you've worked with. So I think examples help people guide on how they can utilize those. Well, uh, Four Seasons is fame. Not Four Seasons. Uh, Four Seasons also does it. But Rich Carlton. Uh, Rich Carlton. Yes, thank you. Rich Carlton is world famous for for these wow experiences. Believe it or not, every single employee in a Ritz Carlton hotel has a budget that they can spend on any guest. Mm-hmm. And that budget, you think, would be $20, something like that. It's $2,000. Yes. It's, it's beyond belief. Hmm. Now, of course, they don't spend that much on every guest, but the point is they can. And the examples are legendary. Hmm. There was one case where a woman fainted and a, I don't know who it was, it might have been just a bookkeeper, was right beside her, called the ambulance, went in the ambulance with her and stayed in the hotel without sleeping in the bed, in the chair beside this lady until her relatives could show up from another city. Hmm. And that means she had the right to not go to work. She had the right to just phone in and say, I'm staying with this lady until her relatives come. And the one that I love, it's probably the most famous one, of a family, they got to the airport after they stayed at Ritz-Carlton and they noticed that they'd forgotten their the little uh, stuffed animal that their child left there by mistake. And the kid was crying in the airport. So the father phoned and they said, okay, we'll get it to you, but it's the weekend. So we'll send it to you on Monday. And what they'd done is they took pictures of the little stuffed animal beside the, beside the swimming pool at the bar on the lounge chair with dark glasses on. And they took pictures and made a beautiful album and sent by courier the album and the doll back to the kids saying, I stayed a few extra days because I liked it so much. Hmm. And that scrapbook is now world famous. Yeah. That story has been told by so many people, but it's brought in so much business because people are like, wow, this Ritz Carlton, they care. 
They're about doing things that are extraordinary. And that's why every company, or I mean, you agree, like they need to have stories that back up these. If you just say, hey, we're doing things that are fun, caring, what are the stories that really back those up? And I love what you said there, world famous. How many companies actually consider themselves world famous for something? You know, you look, you look at Pike's Fish Market. They're the world famous Pike's Fish Market. They call themselves and they deliver a world famous experience. If you put world famous in front of your business right now, are you doing something that's world famous? And I think that's, that's actually a great level to push this. And it's, you just got me thinking here, you know, what other companies are doing things that are world famous? Ritz Carlton, that's world famous experience. And I'm just going on a tangent here, but I, I'm very intrigued on some of these other companies that are do world famous things that maybe are unexpected, that are memorable, that maybe surprised you when you heard the story as you started doing research for this book. Well, what I noticed is some companies become famous and eliminate all need for advertising yes. by coming up with funny names. Like there's a laundromat called The Lost Sock. Well, why would you go to any other laundromat if this one is called The Lost Sock? It's just so hilarious. So they named themselves The Lost Sock. Did they carry it off with anything? Did they have anything fun that continued? Or was it just the name actually started getting them business? Do you know what, my friend? You and I should buy that darn laundromat and then continue the metaphor. <laughs> you have to just stop at the name. Yes, 100%. 100%. Okay, so what were some of the other best wows? You mentioned before there were some other best wows that you found. Oh, there's like there's a, a barbershop called Shearlock Combs. <laughs> Funny puns like that. Okay, all right. When they do that. Another example from Ritz Carlton is... Um, a family was checking in. The girl was unconsolably crying, and they, one of the staff members found out that her goldfish, called Ralph, had just died. And so what they did, she ran out, got a goldfish, but she didn't pretend it was Ralph. She came up with another R name, like Reginald, yeah. and put this goldfish in a bowl in their suite and said, Hi, my name is Reginald. I'm Ralph's cousin. In fact, he has cousins at every Ritz-Carlton. <laughs> Wherever you go, one of us will be there. Well, the kid was so happy, and that's on the file. Whenever they register to go to a Ritz-Carlton anywhere from Slovenia to Singapore, there will be a cousin of Ralph in that darn hotel room. They would never go ever, ever to any other hotel in the world. They, they just couldn't. Couldn't do it. I love it. I love it. So we have the framework now. We have the framework. You got to think big. You got to go unexpected. You got to be memorable. You got to be positive. You got to do something a little extra and relevant. Where does a business go from here? As you're working through this book right now, what's a quick win? What is something that a company can do today to start creating wow? Well, there's something that you do and I do, which most merchants never do. And that is, it's called typically called mystery shopper where you have someone on your own staff, or maybe just a friend, come in and use your service and report to you how badly you do. <laughs> What's shocking is that companies make rules for a good reason. Like People aren't morons. They do something for a good reason. But they don't know the ramifications of that. Mm. And, so, and then when the ramifications get complained about, they think back to the reason why they did it, the good reason, and ignore the ramifications. So many examples under the sales prevention department, they're just so completely ridiculous. I was in my one of my favorite hotels, the Hilton Hawaiian Village in Maui, and they have a glassed-off area 
for a convenience store. And I was walking towards it because I was going to pick up, uh, I don't know, a soft drink or suntan lotion or something. And this, it's all glassed off, like the walls and the doors, everything's glass. And I see a sign back in 10 minutes. I said, oh, darn it. And then I noticed there was somebody inside. So I walk in and I said, are you open? Yes. Well, there's a sign outside saying back in 10 minutes. Beaming with pride. Beaming with pride. She said, yes, that's my idea. There's no washroom inside this little store. And I'm the only employee. And so sometimes I have to go outside to go to the washroom. And I have to walk this little convenience store. But sometimes I forget to put up the sign. So I leave it up all the time so I never forget. <laughs> and they had no idea what it was doing for business. No, she had no idea. She had solved her problem. You know, I want to look at this. The sales, you call it the sales prevention? Sales prevention department. Sales prevention department. So right now, if someone was to go into a company and say, all right, what are those friction points? What are those things that are preventing sales? What are things that you're noticing? Because I realize that policies and the way you say, can't do this, don't do this, don't do that, that's upsetting people and that's hurting people. But what are the things that you're seeing that people may not be aware of they're preventing sales? I rented a car recently from Avis. And I asked for it for a week. On the last day of the week, I said I decided I needed it for another week. So I take out the contract. I call the 800 number. And a guy comes on the line and says, I don't understand. I'm not able to renew it. Oh, he says, oh, you didn't reserve in advance. You just walked in. Yeah, that's right. Oh, you can't extend if you walked in. Why? My money's not good enough? I pay exactly the same amount as other people who reserve in advance. Oh, yeah, but you can't reserve. You can't renew if you just walked in. I said, well, how do, how do I know? Why are you making me a bad guy? Yes. And I said, well, I think I'll just keep it for a week. And he said, oh, no, sir. After two days, we sent out a warrant for your arrest. I said, excuse me. Maybe you don't understand the point here. I'm trying to give you money. I agreed to give you a certain amount of money, say $200. I'm now going to give you $400. Mm -hmm. And your response is that you're going to issue a warrant for my arrest. So I'll have a criminal record for giving you more money. And he didn't get it. Wow. It's shocking. He didn't get it. It's unbelievable. And I, so I think I, the framework, Raymond, it's, it's very easy. If, if you want to start creating wow moments, you got to start with the unwow. You got to start with yeah. the things preventing sales. And we talk about the friction points. You know, I remember the other day I was calling a restaurant to do a takeout order. And what they said is, oh, no, you have to do your orders online. And so it was a simple thing. I called. They have to do order. And one simple question that everyone can ask is, how do you make it easier for your customers? Yeah. Amazon has won the game on this. They've made it so quick, you know, one click ordering. How can you follow in that footsteps? And that's a lot of times how you're unwowing people or taking away sales is you're making it harder for your customers to do business with you. So I'm sure you're finding that as a great starting point. And now going into the more the wows. And you mentioned before you shot me an email about some free wows that you have. Well, what I'd love to know what some of these free wows you have, Raymond, because I, I think, well, again, these examples are so key. You're ahead of me. Let me look at sales prevention department. Okay. I went with my daughter somewhere and we had to wait for an extra hour yeah so it was lunchtime we said okay let's eat and i looked around and there was a store that i i didn't quite understand the name of the store so we walked in and it looked middle eastern but i think it was syrian or something i i couldn't quite understand it. i was a little embarrassed so i said 
do you have like falafel and baba ganoush? And, and she said, no, no, that's Middle Eastern. We're this other country. And then she said, people ask us all day long for Middle Eastern. Meanwhile, Jesse, the restaurant was empty at lunch and people come in all day long asking for falafel and they tell these, these buyers, these people with money in their hands to go away. Hmm. So what should they do? They should listen to the customer for gosh sakes. They should open up a Middle Eastern section and say, yeah, go have all the falafel you want. <laughs> Give people what they want. For gosh sakes. Like, oh, God. My, my ex and I were in a touristy town and we had been looking for a dining room table and our budget was about $15,000. Yeah. But it, we weren't thinking of that table. We were just walking through this little touristy town in the summertime. And two blocks ahead, we saw a table out on the sidewalk and we said, that's it. And we ran to the table. It was exactly what we had in our mind. We ran into the store and said, how much is the table? And the guy went ape shit over it. He said, this is a knickknack store. We sell knickknacks. Isn't the size of the lettering of the word knickknack on the sign big enough for you? We sell knickknacks for a dollar each. The whole store is filled with knickknacks. People come in here all day long and want to buy that table. <laughs> And he issued us out with the direction of his finger. People come in all day long to buy $15,000 tables. And he yells at them because he wants to sell $1 knickknacks. <laughs> really? Yeah. Don't trip over quarters for nickels. <laughs> so free. Not your wows can be expensive, but they can be free. So you gave an example where you might have to pay for something like the Segways but you got a company to donate them. Yes. So things could be costly, but you can get them donated because the company wants the publicity. Sometimes you have to pay. Yes. Like your yellow tuxedos, you wear a different one a day and you have to pay all this money for dry cleaning, except I understand that the dry cleaner gives it to you. That's true too. <laughs> sometimes they're free. Sometimes like the example I already gave you, Jack Canfield hugging every person. Mm -hmm. There's no charge to that. Mm -hmm. And many times, many times, the, it's the thoughtfulness that does it. It's the thoughtfulness that people are impressed by. So, for example, I was teaching a small class that he paid $15,000 to be there. And there's only 15 people. They paid 15 grand. I said, I'll give them a gift. And I chose a book that was very relevant. And when they weren't looking, when they were doing something else, I sat at the back and I autographed it to each person, and I put them in order so I could hand it out in order. So I said, you know, you paid a lot to be here, and I want to give you a gift. And I handed each person a book. They said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Then one person said, it's autographed to me. You figured out how to put it in order so that you could hand it out in order. Wow, they were more shocked that I could order, that I could put 15 books in order mm. than they were that I bought the book. Mm. The heart is... It's when you do something with heart, when you do something that's thoughtful, that's all you need to think about. What will wow them? What will wow them? You just sit with your board of directors, board of advisors, sit with your friends and say, let's say you run a restaurant, you give courses, you run a baseball team, whatever the heck you do, you say, what would wow you? What would blow you away? What would make you smile? What would make you take pictures? And you just think of 
anything, the crazier the better. The biggest ones typically don't need any money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's the thoughtfulness. I think the question, too, you can ask your people, what are you big fans of? What companies are you big fans of? What people are you big fans of? And then go, why? What is it that they do? Is it they consistently show up? They're there for you. They do little things like send a video, a personalized video. They write a handwritten letter. All these things that cost very little, but it shows that you care. And I think about you know the people that you're fans of, the companies that you're fans of. You know what to expect. They're always going to be there. They're going to be doing the same thing, but then they're going to have maybe one unexpected that wows you. And I think... Uh, I'm constantly thinking about that. That's fascinating to me. Raymond, I want to do a little wow showdown. We're going to have some fun, okay? Okay. All right. So I'm going to name kind of an industry, and maybe you can give an idea for oh, something that they, that they can do, okay? Why don't you start with hardware store? <laughs> okay. You're, we'll, we'll start with a hardware store. Go. There's a hardware store in Toronto that was opening. They had $5,000 to have an opening day special. Yes. And they, they just brainstormed. Like, if they put an ad in the paper, it would be gone the next day and nobody would ever remember anything. So what they did is they decided to take the – this was in the days when Canada had $1 bills. We now have $1 coins. They decided to get the $5,000 in $5,001 bills. They got a company to bring a crane for free because their name is on the crane and it would be captured in every newspaper. And they announced a few days before that they were going to give away $5,001 bills on that day, like at 10 a.m. The place was jammed. There were thousands and thousands of people. The media was there. Everybody was there. And the owner climbed up to the top of the crane and dumped $5,001 bills. They came fluttering down everywhere. People were racing around screaming. Now, this was the days before the internet, so there was no Twitter or Facebook. But there was a videographer there to capture the whole thing. And that video has been running in that store for 30 years. I love it. I love it. And I think it was so cool. The $5,001 bills remind me of Bill Veck, the famous baseball owner from back in the day. And instead of giving one fan a free beer, he would give 1,000 or 5,000 free beers to one fan. And so figure out how to make it creative. And instead of giving, he gave away 12 live lobsters to one fan during a game. Whatever you think is like, everyone gets it. No, give it all to one person. And it That's makes it a creative. Crazy. Yeah. And then everyone we talks to him. beers yes. to one person. Yes. So, oh, my God. So, that guy had a lot of friends that day. Yeah. Well, he thought, always thought about that. What would be the normal way to do a giveaway? And what would be the opposite way to do a giveaway? And if you do a giveaway the opposite way, you get more people talking about it. creates a better story. And what's your story? And so that's fascinating. So, hey, you can throw, throw an industry at me for the showdown. Throw an industry at me. I'll see if I can do it. <laughs> okay. Manufacturing. Oh, come on. Manufacturing. That's way too broad. All right. I'm going to call it manufacturing. I've actually spoke to manufacturing companies. Manufacturing is challenging because they're more B2B. They're not, B, they're not B2C okay. as much. So what you have to think about is what are those relationship building techniques that you're doing? So you may have one vendor. It's not just they're coming in, you create an experience. So again, going to the thoughtful route, we're getting to know their people, their spouses, their significant others, oh. their, their kids. And you find out what those certain things that they like, they know. And then surprise, three months later, maybe it's a toy for the kid. Maybe it's a book that someone who's looking up to. You send those little gifts, not when they're expecting it. Don't send it during Christmas when everyone's expecting. Like Emily, my wife, has done six-month birthday cards. So she'll send a (laughs) six-month birthday card to someone. Which again, again, the unexpected route. So on B2B, we always think of those thoughtful, thankful, and find out those, ask those questions early. Hey, here's some things. Maybe send a little survey. But then they'll forget about it months later. They're yes. like, wow, you remembered that. 
I actually have a connection list. It's an Excel sheet that when I meet with people, I talk to people, I write down their family, what their hobbies are, what their kids like, um, and try to remember those things. So when you bring it up and just like, oh, I can't believe you remembered my son's name. It's those little things. And I think B2B, that's the best way to do it because it's hard to do the really over-the-top customer experiences. You have to go the thoughtful route. All right, can I throw one more at you? Throw a book writing at me. <laughs> okay, I'm throwing book writing at you. This is You are determining the showdown. I love it. All right, here we go. I teach people how to write a book, and I tell them to get branded by writing a book. Yes. One woman came up to me and said, well, I'm unemployed. Should I write a book? And I said, absolutely, because right now he's probably spent, uh, sent out hundreds of resumes and probably didn't even get a reply. She said, yeah. She said, it's tough out there. No, it's tough because you're not branded. Yes. So I said, write a book. It was on marketing. And I said, here's what you do. You have to be careful who you apply to because you'll get the first job you apply for. So here's what happened. The boss comes in on Monday morning, drags his ass in and says to his secretary, I want to read all the resumes. She says, there's about 100 in your email in basket. But there's one who came in personally to hand in their resume, printed out, printed neatly and tucked in her book. Her book? Yes, she wrote a book on marketing. She did? Well, want to speak to her. She thought so. She's sitting in the waiting room. And they walked in and he hired her within minutes. He didn't ask if she was any good in marketing. She just, he was just blown away that she'd written a book. Just like I predicted, she got the first job she applied for because she showed up with that book. So what's the lesson for someone that's writing a book? A book brands you. A book totally brands you. It You no longer drown in the sea of sameness. Mm. You climb up onto the island of individuality and people notice you. Yeah. When my daughter was switching from elementary school to high school, we switched her to a brand new school. And she during that summer, I taught her how to write a book. And she wrote a book called Hashtag Success, How Teens Can Create Their Own Brilliant Future. When she got to the school... Every teacher had ordered and read her book. And when she walked into the library on the tour, there was a pile of her books on display. Wow. Everybody knew her the minute she stepped onto campus. Mm. Well, there's a lesson there in the sense that people shouldn't keep thinking about writing a book or thinking about putting themselves out there or thinking about sharing their story. They just need to do it. And it's not necessarily everyone will read the book. Hopefully people do. But the fact that you did it, it shows that you followed through. You care. You're going to put the steps in to help. And I I think that's very powerful. And the proof is at the beginning of the show, you said, I now would like to introduce you to Raymond Aaron. He wrote a New York Times top 10 bestseller. They don't even care what it is. They'll probably never read it. But they're still blown away. Well, they're st- and they're still listening to you, we hope. <laughs> All right. I want to finish with a little bit of rapid fire. We've talked about some of the challenges, the unwows that you had earlier. I want to call this now, that's what I call service. What is an experience that's blown you away recently? Some type of experience you're like, wow, this was special. I was in a restaurant. This is, I don't know, 40 years ago. And I'm still blown away by this. I'm in a restaurant. I have my girlfriend there. I was kibitzing with the waiter. And after I paid, she handed me two tickets to a movie theater. What's this? See the movie theater across the street? Yeah. They give every waitress a pair of tickets. And we give it to whoever we think is the the nicest customer we have. And I still remember that restaurant and that movie theater 40 years later. I don't remember what I ordered. I don't remember the name of the waitress, but I remember that. Now, 
the restaurant got help because lots of people are going to come because of that crazy issue. I got help because I got free tickets to the movie theater. And the movie theater had to give away two tickets, but I bought popcorn. So everybody got help. Everybody. And it was crazy. And 40 years later, I'm still telling the story. I love that so much because there's such a great lesson there. When you are actually paying for something and you think the experience is over, that's when it can really just be starting. For you, that night was just starting. And it's because they thought, can we add this extra touch? There was a small bar restaurant I went to in Boston. And I'm finishing up my meal. And they gave me, instead of a bill, it was a thank you card signed by everyone, all the employees, and everyone that was in the entire uh, restaurant that night. And, of course, I was like, this is a thank you card. But, I mean, there was the bill in it, but I was like, they sent me a thank you. And they said, we'd love to have you inside it. And I was like, what do you think they got for a tip? It was outrageous. I wasn't just tipping that one person. I was tipping the whole staff. I was yeah. tipping the whole experience. So when you think about when someone buys, when someone pays for something, we have our servers here. What could they give them? You know, Olive Garden, they've done the mints. They've done like, but what are those extra little touches you could give? Whether it's even just a nice message, you know, like Johnny the Bagger, which we, uh, I've shared that story, something along those lines. That is a powerful wow moment that I think people can leave this and say, all right, what is that last impression? And as I've heard before, the last impression leaves a lasting impression. So that was, that's special right there, Raymond. I like that. All right. I've got a few more things here. Flip the script. You are now the host of Business Done Differently. And you can ask me one question. What? <laughs> <laughs> Told you I'm mixing it up a little bit. Okay. What is the weirdest, most surprising unwow that you've discovered that you didn't realize you were hurting people? At our stadium? Yeah. This one's easy for me. And okay. it's, a, it's, a, it's a quick story. So every stadium, you expect... You compare yourself with everyone else when you first start. This is how it's supposed to be done. So at every ballpark, every stadium, every show, you know, you can't bring food and drinks inside the arena. Yeah, that's pretty common. You can't bring food and drinks. And I didn't realize when we had it, we had a Chick-fil-A night where people could get Chick-fil-A at the store and then come to our game that we didn't allow them to bring their Chick-fil-A into the stadium because it was a policy. You can't bring food or drinks. So we had families in the heat. This is at our former team in Gastonia coming in with Chick-fil-A, and then we said, you can't sit in. There were no seats outside, so they were sitting in the parking lot on the ground eating this. And I'll never forget how I felt. I felt like a terrible person, a terrible leader, a terrible manager. And I said, this can't be right. So what my wife and I did, we, Emily, we said, we got to see how Disney handles this. Like, how does Disney handle food and drinks? So we went down to Disney on research, with the, the quotes, because Disney is always research and fun together. And we walk up, we're like, we're putting water bottles in her purse. We're going to see how they handle us bringing water bottles into the theme park. And the person in front of us had a giant cooler. It was a family. They had a giant cooler with tons of food, drinks. It looks like they're going to feed a family of 30. And all of a sudden, the security guard looks at their cooler and says, have fun today. Enjoy the magic. Something along those lines. And they let him go. And they barely looked at Emily's purse in the water and said, have fun today. Have a great time. And we were like, what? Because Disney realized that the first impression it's not worth it to give it makes people upset. It's not worth it to say no. Make them say yes. Make them excited. And they realize that don't turn it away. So after that moment, we said, we're allowing food and drinks in our stadium from now on. You want to bring food and drinks? Bring it. Enjoy it. We want people to have a great experience and not tell people no on the first impression. And those unwows that we created for a few years, they still devastate me. Seeing those families sitting on the hot pavement in a parking lot, eating their meals, and then telling them they could not come into our stadium. We'll never do that again. Jesse, 
You're a kindred spirit. <laughs> I appreciate it. I love you. I, I, I don't get to talk like this to very many people. <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're talking about the same, same things and we love it. So, all right, I want to finish with a little bit of rapid fire. I know we're getting close here. Question time. If you want better answers in business, you got to ask better questions. You've worked with companies. You've talked to all over the world. What are some of the best questions you're asking these days? I just read a book called Never Split the Difference mm. by Chris Voss. It's a genius book about negotiating. He was the lead negotiator for FBI Worldwide. It, he never says no when a terrorist asks him a question. He always says, how can I do that? How do you expect me to do that? And what it does is invites the terrorist to solve your problems. And you're basically saying no, but you're not upsetting him by saying no. And you're inviting him to solve your problems, and he might come up with a better solution than you do. Mm. That's powerful. And as a leader, when you're asking your people, it's also setting the expectations. Because you're saying, how do you expect me to do that? So what are the expectations? Powerful question. So have you started using that with groups? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I use that all the time. And the book is very, very funny. For example, the title, Never Split the Difference comes from his conviction that any compromise is wrong. Don't go for compromise, go for success. And he says, if a man comes out of his dressing room and he's wearing a suit with blue shoes and his wife says, I think you should wear brown shoes. Well, a compromise is you should wear one blue shoe and one brown shoe. But it doesn't work. And he says, in a terrorist negotiation, let's say a bank robber's got 10 hostages and he's threatening to kill them all. A compromise would be, why don't you release five and kill the other five? No, that's not a good compromise. Not at all. Don't split the difference. I love it. Great advice. Great book. Highly recommend. All right, final four here, Raymond. What is one thing that you've done to stand out in business or in life? Well, I said it before. I don't know if it, you'll accept it again. Maybe for something new. I give everything I've got to the one thing that I've decided to do that day. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything, no matter what. Love it. I love it. If you were to give advice to someone younger, someone coming up, maybe your, your younger self, to stand out and really be successful in business and life, what would you tell them? Write a book. <laughs> Write a book. Boom. All right. Best advice you've ever received? I have a confidant. Her name is Wendy, and she works with me. I really respect her judgment. And every time I like a girl, I come up with some reason why I have to drop into the office so Wendy can chat with her. And... Wendy said no to every single woman I brought in, like 20 in a row, until I brought Karen in, and she said yes, and I married her. That was by far the best advice I ever got. (laughs) To marry Karen. Okay. All right. Now I'll go here with this. How do you want to be remembered? As the world's greatest teacher. Powerful. How will you do that? I've been doing it for 36 years, my friend. <laughs> you are. You are. Outstanding. Raymond, is there anything else you want to leave the audience with? You've been, you've shared your wisdom. You've showed up fully intentional today. Is there anything else you want to share on either creating wow moments or something that can help someone be great or different in business? Yeah, one of my favorite lines is, snowmen fall to earth on assemble. And you and I know how to assemble the snowmen. But most people just see the snowflakes and they see the back aches and the traffic accidents. So see those snowmen and create positive snowmen. I love it. Raymond, we've learned today from one of the world's greatest teachers, sharing everything on how we can create great moments and be a better person and a better leader. Where can people learn more from you and connect with you? 
Well, they can go to Aaron.com, A-A-R-O-N, A-A-R-O-N, and download my hardcover bestseller, Double Your Income, Doing What You Love, No Charge, Free Download. Outstanding. Well, check that out. And then this wow book coming out sometime in the near future. The Savannah Bananas will be featured, but also a lot of other great stories. Raymond, I can't thank you enough for sharing your time, your wisdom, and making an impact with us today. Jesse, I'd like to grow old with you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Excellent. Thanks for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. And that standing out is the best way to grow your business. For more information about the guest and topics covered on this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.